So if you want to attend the service in person, please register beforehand. You can register at wonderfulgospel.com slash register. We're currently in the series of the book of Acts, so let's get ready to hear a powerful message. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, it's great to see everybody here, and it's great to, uh, wow, I mean, I'm sorry, it's just going through this message, it kind of got me choked up even just now, but um, I just want to thank the worship team, it was a powerful, powerful worship, thank you for ushering in the presence of God, it's going to make this that much easier, and I just wanted to greet everybody who's online watching us, and um, in the name of Jesus Christ, we just pray that this word touches your heart, um, just as it touched mine as I was going through it. Um, praise God, praise God. I also want to add before we get started, um, for everyone who is watching on YouTube, please hit the like button, hit the like button and subscribe, follow us. If the, if you, if you feel that the messages that are being spoken here is good to send out, hit the like, hit subscribe, follow us, go to our Facebook, hit like and share. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the Advent reading. I, we great, greatly appreciate you too. Um, but without further ado, let's get started. Let's open in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to where we're able to come together and hear the word that you have for us in this season. The word that was spoken earlier, Advent, is about hope. And I just pray that we're able to hold on to hope in spite of whatever is going on in our lives that we're able to hold on to our hope, which is you. We thank you for all that you have done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So the title of today's message is Hope. Now, you know that we've been going through the book of Acts these 24 weeks. That's a long time in the book of Acts, but it's been a powerful time. And you know the stories that we've talked about and you know the characters in the book of Acts. And, you know, the main character is the Apostle Paul and the things that he had gone through and the struggles. He's been shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake and he's been stoned and and so on and so forth and yet he was still able to hold on to hope and so we're going to be covering three chapters today we're going pretty fast um coming up to the end of the book of Acts, but so we're just going to be going through three chapters and it doesn't seem as we're going through these three chapters it doesn't seem like things get better for Paul so my question is, how does he hold on to hope? So the word hope in the Greek is pronounced elpis. 
And it is the expectation of good. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing like the hope that I have that one day I'm going to be wearing the clothes that I wore 20 years ago. That hope is gone. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's the hope and the expectation of good. And it says in, a, in the Christian sense, joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. So before we go through chapters 22, 23, and 4, I kind of want to touch on chapter 21 just to give a sense of where we're at. So in chapter 21 of Acts, we see that Paul now, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And in the chapter before, in Acts 20, verse 22, Paul says, and now behold... I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. So now in chapter 21, where Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and, and Paul stopped in Tyre. And while, there, and while he was there, he visited some disciples. He stayed there for approximately seven days. And verse 4 of chapter 21, it says that though the Spirit... Or through the Spirit, they, talking about the disciples that were there, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now, some people will find this a little contradictory because the chapter before, Paul is saying that he was constrained by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And now here, they're saying, the disciples are saying um, that the Spirit, through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. I will touch on this in a second. And so, after they, because Luke is with him now, after they left Tyre, they went to Ptolemaeus, and then they went to um, Caesarea, and there they stayed with Philip the Evangelist. Now, Philip the Evangelist is who we talked about in Acts chapter 6. He's not the Philip that was the original, uh, the original disciples, but he's the one who was uh, called on to be a deacon when they were having issues with the distribution of the food to the, to the widows. So he was one of the seven that were called to oversee this. So now Paul is staying with Philip. And the Bible says that a prophet by the name of Agabus came from Judea. In uh, verse 21, in chapter 21, verses 11 through 12, it says, And coming to us, speaking of Agabus, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands. It says, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, Luke is saying, because he uses the word we, he said, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. So here, this is where what we originally thought was a contradiction in between scriptures is kind of fixed because the Holy Spirit was saying, this is what's going to happen to Paul. Once Paul gets to Jerusalem, he will be bound and he will be, and, and it's going to be uh, the Jews who are going to bind him. And But now the people that were with him, they're saying, once we heard this, we were urging Paul not to go. 
So it wasn't the Holy Spirit who was saying, telling Paul not to go, but it's because these people loved Paul and they didn't want to see Paul suffer. They didn't want to see, they didn't even want to see the uh, possibility that Paul would die. They were urging Paul not to go. And so after everyone says this, Paul replies, and I'm paraphrasing, why are you crying? Why are you trying to break my heart? Don't you know that I am ready to be imprisoned and even die in Jerusalem for the gospel, for the name of Jesus Christ? Paul is saying that if this is going to be the end, if, if going to Jerusalem is going to be the end for me, don't you know that I am ready to give it all for the name of Jesus Paul still had hope. And so Luke writes that they couldn't persuade Paul anymore. So they stopped trying and said, let the will of the Lord be done. So Paul leaves and Paul arrives in Jerusalem and he's greeted by the fellow saints and by James. And, and James here, he, this is the, the half-brother of Jesus. And he's greeted by them and, and Paul is now talking to them and he's telling them the great things that God had done uh, amongst the Gentiles. And, and they heard everything that Paul said and they glorified God in this. And then James was like, um, Paul, can I talk to you for a second? And he says, you know, there are thousands of Jews who are now believers here. But they are zealous. They are enthusiastic about the law. They're believers. They believe Christ is their Savior. They believe Jesus is the way. But yet, they're still zealous about the law. And they heard that you teach Jews, the Jews that are among the Gentiles, they heard that you teach them to forsake the law of Moses and that you teach them to not circumcise their children or follow the customs. When in actuality, Paul taught that the law does not bring one to salvation, but it's belief in the Son of God. He's, it's belief in, the Jesus, in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. That God the Father is the one who raised him from the dead and that the Gentile believers should not be forced to be circumcised. They should not be forced to become Jews in order to be saved. Making the work of the cross of no effect. So James continues and he says... You know, while you're here, they will certainly find out that you're here. They will hear about you being here. He said, but we have a plan. And so James tell Paul this elaborate plan, and Paul agrees to it. And, and he says, you know, if you follow this plan, when people see you, the believers, the Jews who are believers, when they see you, they're going to know that you're an all right guy because you haven't actually uh, done away with following the customs and Paul's like okay let me go with it and so now Paul is down in the temple and he's purifying himself and he is seen by some Jews non-believers some Jews from Asia and in verse 28 they, they, they start yelling they're like men of Israel help 
This, this is the man who was teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. And the reason why they said this is because earlier they saw Paul with a, a man from Ephesus, an Ephesian named um, Trophimus. They saw him earlier with him, so they just assumed Paul brought this Greek, this non-Jew, um, into the temple, which was forbidden. Because remember, we spoke about this earlier, there is the outer court, the court of the Gentiles, where all the Gentiles can go. And then past that, the Gentiles could not go there, otherwise they can be killed. And there were signs everywhere that's saying that if you pass this fence, Gentile, that it's your fault if death comes upon you. And so, and then after the court of the Gentiles, there's the court of women. Then after the court of women, there's the court of men. Then after the court of men, this is where the priests and so on. So they were saying that Paul took this Greek past the court of the Gentiles, past the court of the women, and to the court of the men, knowing Paul and, 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 and saying that Paul understood what he was doing. So it was blasphemy. So then they started yelling, and the Bible said that all the city was disturbed and took him out of the temple, and they were about to kill him. And then the Bible said that the chief captain or the commander or some translations say tribune, they heard of this. And so he sent his soldiers to stop the riot. And as soon as everyone saw the tribune and they saw the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. And yet after all this, he's being already been warned. He's already um, been lied on. He's already been beaten, and yet, if we continue, he still holds on to hope. And so, the tribune commanded Paul to be bound with two chains, and he starts asking everybody, what did this man do? What, 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 what is it that you guys are, are causing this right? What did he do for everyone to, to get to this point? And everyone is yelling this different thing or saying this things, and he can't, he can't hear everyone. He doesn't understand. And so what he does, and he, what he does is that um, he calls the soldiers to grab Paul and to literally carry him. Because of the violence of the crowd. And he said, we're going to carry them, carry him into the barracks. But once they get to the steps, Paul asked, he said, hey, excuse me, can I speak to the people? And then the tribune looks at him and is like, aren't you the guy who tried to cause a riot, that Egyptian? And he's like, Paul's like, no, that's not me. That's not me. I'm a Jew. And he said, but I want to address the people. And so he said, go ahead. So now we're in chapter 22. And Paul, it seems like he, he, he felt that if he was to just address the people and tell them about everything, that they would be okay and they, they would listen. And so the Bible said that Paul stood up and he waved his hand. 
and he gives his defense before the crowd. And Paul began to speak about his testimony. He started off letting them know that he was a Jew, that he, that he was where he was born, and that he was taught at the feet of Gamaliel, which is a very respected Pharisee and a doctor of the law. Paul talked about how zealous he was for God, how, how he used to persecute the believers or, or followers of the way. That's what they called Christians, how he used to persecute them into death, how he used to, how he used to have them imprisoned, both men and women. Paul said, I was that guy. And then he talked about his experience with Jesus. How he lost his sight and through miraculous works that he was able to see again. And, and I don't know, but if that, was, if that was me hearing this, I would assume that at that moment they would have gone after Paul and said, blasphemy, whatever he's saying, don't listen to him. But the moment that Paul said that he was given a word saying that these people will not hear your testimony and go to the Gentiles that's when they stood up. That's when they went after Paul. Because a Jew was not supposed to be uh, partaking, fellowshipping with the Gentile. And so, another riot started. A third riot. A third riot, and he, just, just imagine, here now Paul has already said in chapter 20, I am constrained to go to Jerusalem by the Holy Spirit. And yet the moment that he gets there, nothing has happened. Nothing has gone his way. So far, there's been two riots because of Paul. But he's still holding on to his faith and so now Paul is brought before the Sanhedrin the Jewish high court and he's speaking to the Sanhedrin in chapter 23 verses 6 and 7 it says now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees he cried out in the council brothers I am a Pharisee a son of Pharisee it is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial and when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. So now here's a third riot because of Paul. A third riot because now the Pharisees were saying that it could have been an angel who spoke to him because the Pharisees believed in the resurrections. They believed in angels, and the Sadducees didn't. And so the Pharisees are saying, he is a Pharisee. He's one of us. And so now they're trying to protect and defend Paul, and then the Sadducees are, are upset, and there's another riot between between the two so now the uh, the scripture says that the, the the soldiers had to take Paul again because they were afraid he was going to be pulled apart and this is the part that got to me because now they put him in the barracks and after all this after all Paul had gone through after after the people his people turning on him wanting to kill him setting plots to try to kill him to beat him, to bind him. He was bound in chains. And it said that night, in chapter 11, verse 23, it said the following night, the Lord stood by him. The following night, the Lord stood by him. 
and said, take courage. Some translations, be of good cheer. Have confidence. And I just want to stop right here and pause. Because regardless of what we are going through, regardless of the struggles, regardless of the hurts, regardless of the turmoils of situations in our life, when God has called you, we have a God who said that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And here, Paul was probably at his lowest. No one was there with him, probably thinking that this was going to be the end. And he said, the Lord stood by him. The Lord stood with him. The Lord will stand. The Lord will encourage us when he has called us because his purpose will be fulfilled in our life. But we have to have hope. Hold on to his word. This is what gave Paul hope. He said, take courage for you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem. He's saying Jerusalem is not your end game. Jerusalem is not going to be the place where you die because now you're going to have to go and testify also in Rome. So even Paul, with everything that he has gone through, even Paul, even Paul being the, the one who, who, who uh, cast the demon out of the woman of divination, even Paul, who, who uh, they saw, saw, uh, people saw him do miraculous works, even he had to be encouraged by the Lord. The, where the Lord stood, came that night and stood with him and said, be of good cheer. There's times that we want to give up. I might have shared this with you the time that I told God I was ready to give up. I told him that I can't live for you anymore. I'd rather live for the world because it was too hard to live for God. But I thank God that he did not give up on me. He said, be of good cheer. Let me know that this is not your end game. The many times that I wanted to take my life because the situations, the circumstances in my life was too hard. He said, this is not the end for you because there's a place that I need you to speak my word. There are some people that I need you to witness to. There, there are situations that only your testimony can help someone get out of. This is not where you're going to end. We're in a pandemic to where People are feeling lonely. People are hurting. People are struggling. And they need you. They need your gifts, your talents. They need your pain to know that they can get out of it just like you did. They need to see your scars. 
because now those scars have healed. So now they're like, my scar can heal as well. They need you to hold on and keep holding on to hope. You see, Paul, to hold on to hope, to hold on to hope, in James 1 and 2, it says, my brethren, in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that this Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But it just doesn't stop there. Because if we go to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. So what am I saying? I'm saying that there's going to be things that we go through that if we just stay there and be patient and see it through, allow God to work in our lives, then now we will have experience with the Lord. We will have experience that he will deliver us. We will have experience that he will make a way. We will have experience that he will save us. So the next time we go through something, we now have hope. We now have expectation, a good expectation that he is going to deliver us again. And when we hold on to that hope, it's not always for us, but it is so for always, it can be for someone else. We look at Acts chapter 16 to where Paul and Silas were sent to Macedonia. Paul had a vision that they were to go to Macedonia and speak the gospel to someone. And so they go to Macedonia, and while they're there, they're is a woman with spirit of divination. And they were following Paul and Silas around, saying these are the men of God who's, who's going to talk to us about salvation. They were following them for many days, and the Bible said that Paul got disturbed, and he turned around, and he cast out that demon in the name of Jesus Christ. And then her bosses, her rulers, saw that they could no longer make money off of her because that spirit that was there, Paul cast it out. And so these men got upset and they grabbed Paul and, and, and Silas and took them to the marketplace and said and said false things about them, saying that they're here teaching customs that that is that is that um, they teach things that doesn't follow our customs and and so on and so forth. And they had them their clothes stripped and they beat them and they threw them in the inner prison. The Bible specifically said inner prison. If you understand the inner prison in this culture, the inner prison is the dirtiest, the darkest prison that they had. People would be chained up. They would be dead. They had nowhere to go to use the washroom. So there was feces and urine everywhere. So these men just got beaten. They're tied up bound in stocks in the inner darkest prison, the dirtiest prison, and they put a guard in the front. Now the Bible said that at the midnight hour, Paul and Silas, they, they prayed and they sung hymns, not just quietly, but loud enough to where 
the other prisoners were listening. And then God shook the foundations of the prison and, and, and the doors started to open. The prison doors started to open. And everything that had him bound was loosed. And then it woke the guard up. And the guard, assuming that the prisoners had escaped, was going to kill himself. This is where the patience of Paul came in. Because the moment the doors opened, he could have ran out. But he stayed. And he yells, do yourself no harm. We are still here. How many of us would have stayed? The door wouldn't even have to be open an inch before I'm kicking it out and running down the street. But Paul stayed. His patience. He stayed and he told the guard, do yourself no harm, we're still here. So then the guard comes in and he calls for light and he falls down at the feet of Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? So the patience of Paul wasn't just for him and Silas, but it brought salvation to that, to that guard, which in turn brought salvation to his family. Because the Bible says that Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household shall be saved. And they were all baptized soon after. But because of Paul's patience, that experience allowed him to have hope in this situation. Hope that God will deliver him. Hope that God will use him. And even if this was the end, Paul understood that absent in the body is presence with Christ. He knew it was better to be with God. So his hope was even past of being saved in the natural. But his hope was in being in the presence of our God. And that's what allowed him to continue on. And that's what should should. Should, should cause us to continue even in our darkest moments, even in our loneliest times, even when it doesn't seem like anything isn't going right, as long as we're doing the things that God wants us to do for his glory, that is our hope, and that should cause us to continue to move on. Hope in Jesus Christ. But sometimes when we go through things, God will remind us of something. Sometimes when we're in a situation, God will remind us of our past. He will remind us of how he moved in a miraculous way. He will remind us of how he touched and delivered us and how he used us for his glory. He will remind us of how he made a way when there seemed to be no way. And how he fought the enemy for us and said, the battle is not ours, but it's his. God will remind us of what he delivered us from and tell us to be of good cheer. Tell us to have confidence because that experience that we have in the Lord will now give us hope to carry on. And in this, I'm closing. Hope with expectation. 
Hope with expectation that he will move in every situation again. Hope with expectation that he will use us and continue to use us regardless of the circumstance that we're in. Hope with expectation that he will fight for us and will continue to stand and, and, and fight the enemy on our behalf. Hope that he will deliver us. Hope that, he will, that, that when things get hard, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Hope that his word that he's spoken in our lives will come to pass. Paul had hope in Jesus that Damascus Road experience, everything that God delivered him from, it kept him holding on to hope. Paul developed that experience with God. He learned to trust God, and that experience gave him hope. Tribulation brings patience. And when we have patience in Christ, that's the hope in Jesus that we hold on to and just trust that he will use us for a time such as this don't doubt yourselves because of your age don't doubt yourselves because of your nationality don't doubt yourself because of your of your uh, academic um, experience because all these are gifts that God can use when we put them in his hands now let us just hold on to Jesus and the hope we have in him let us pray Lord God of Heavenly Father we thank you we thank you for your son Jesus the sacrifice that he made for us so many years ago. The strength that you have given us in him, the ability and the authorities that we have in you. We just pray that regardless of what we are going through, regardless of the hurts that we have endured, the pain that we have, that we still hold on to you. You are our hope. Not just in this life, but the life to come. To where we can just be in your presence and feel your love. Use us in any and every way to bring your name glory and to show people you. We pray in the name and the authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please rise with us as we sing this last song. Um, the author James
says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And as we go through our life, we're gonna always face tribulations, as Pastor Orlando pointed out. And we have to just keep in mind that uh, God will continue to strengthen us and that all, in, all, all that matters is that we keep our hope in Christ and that we know that he always has our back, that he's always for us and not against us. So let's sing this, sing this song together. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me for change to come knowing the battles won for you have never failed me yet your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness Still in your hands, this is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I know the night won't last. Your will. You're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. is my confidence you've never failed your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my
joining us this Sunday service and um, uh, I hope you, all, you guys all have a great Sunday morning uh, or afternoon right now and I, I just pray that uh, you will continue to go forth and that you will continue to keep your hope in Christ. Amen. <laughs>